The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Uh, introduce now a uh, really expert opinion and, and observer and journalist, Alistair Bunkle, the Sky News Middle East uh, correspondent. Uh, welcome to The Pat Kenny Show, Alistair. What we want to, to talk to you about firstly is the fears of a tense situation, a conflict in Gaza spilling over into an Israeli-Lebanon war. Uh, the leader of the militia group Hezbollah uh, has said that after the deputy leader of Hamas was killed, that this will not go unpunished. Wh- what do you think is going to happen next? Yeah, morning. I'm really good to speak to you. Um, so we heard from Hassan Nasrallah yesterday evening, and everybody was watching that very closely because of what had happened in Beirut on Tuesday night when Israel, although they haven't admitted it publicly, but no one doubts it was Israel, uh, took out a very senior Hamas leader, a guy called Salah al Arouri, uh, in the middle of Beirut, in the middle of uh, a stronghold of Hezbollah in Beirut. So we were looking at what Nasrallah had to say to see whether or not uh, they were tempted to escalate the conflict. Now, as it was... I think he was making two points. Firstly, he was defending Hezbollah's actions so far, uh, saying that the reason Israel has not invaded Lebanon as part of this war is because Hezbollah have mobilized on the Israeli border and they've not been afraid to attack Israeli forces there. And that's something that goes on pretty much every day. There's an exchange of fire, but it's been limited so far to the border regions. And that's the kind of messaging that both sides understand. And then secondly, he addressed the killing of the Hamas deputy political leader uh, and warned Israel that if they took it any further or they did anything else of that kind of magnitude, then Hezbollah would not be afraid to get involved in an all-out war. I would say, though, from what we hear behind the scenes, I don't think either Israel or Hezbollah really want a war between each other because it would be very costly for both sides. There'd be a massive loss of life, both on the Israeli and the Lebanese side. And so I do think, as things stand, it is something they would rather avoid. Now, uh, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, uh, is leaving the US this evening to go on another, I think it's fourth mission to the Middle East. Um, Who's he meeting and what's the purpose? Well, they've been a bit cagey about his schedule, uh, but it will be quite an expansive and brief tour of the Middle East to some of the major players, um, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, but also uh, here, Israel and the Palestinian Authority as well. And so it's, it's part of ongoing American pressure to try and lower the tempo of Israeli operations in Gaza, to increase the amount of humanitarian aid getting into Gaza and to really start thinking more seriously about this day-after concept in Gaza. Who will govern Gaza Strip next? Who will rebuild it? Who will be in charge of the security? What will it mean for the West Bank as well? And it's something that the Israelis are starting to talk about a bit more, but they haven't really wanted to entertain yet. The Israelis, from their point of view, say that this war will last many, many more months. I think what the Americans would be satisfied with is a much lower tempo of operations in Gaza, much more targeted, much more precise. Uh, and then I, I could foresee it lasting uh, quite a few months more. So you don't see any emergence of any prospective ceasefire? 
Well, I wouldn't rule that out, uh, but I think if it happened, from an, at least from an Israeli point of view, they would like it to be a temporary ceasefire that saw the release of the remaining hostages in in Gaza. Now, let's go back to our, our first question and answer and the assassination of the Hamas figure in Beirut. As soon as that happened, all the sides involved in ceasefire talks said, right, that's it, no more talks. Uh, we're, we're pausing those. And that's a kind of, that's a sort of reaction that you expect in events like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if in, I don't know, a week's time, we are back at the stage where the sides are talking again, the mediators are involved, and we are looking again at another potential ceasefire. Because the Israelis have a number of objectives, but getting the hostages out is is really one of their main objectives. And so at some point, they are going to have to agree something with Hamas in order to try and uh, facilitate that. It's just that I don't think, even though they will come under a lot of pressure, if a ceasefire comes in force, they'll come under a lot of pressure for it to be permanent. I don't think that's where the Israeli mindset is right now. What was uh, behind, do you think, uh, the bomb in Iran at the commemoration ceremony yesterday? Well, officially, nobody's claimed responsibility for it. Um, the timing, given the events in Beirut, the day beforehand, the timing was was not good for tensions here. The Iranians have blamed the Israelis and the Americans. I have to say, it's not it is not something out of the Israeli playbook. Yeah, the Israelis do have form when it comes to eliminating senior Iranian officials, things like some of the nuclear scientists, for example, in Iran. But that has always been targeted attacks on specific individuals or specific military sites, for example. Uh, not a couple of remotely detonated bombs that have killed and injured hundreds of civilians. So therefore, if it's not the Israelis, then who are we looking at? Well, there's a lot of dissident movements inside Iran. Islamic State uh, have been quite active inside Iran. It could be them. Uh, there is a Balochistan movement as well um, that are very anti-regime. So there are a number of actors that could be behind it. But but you think it's unconnected to the current conflict in Gaza? I think it's unconnected in so much that I don't think there's any evidence to suggest the Israelis or any of their allies, like the Americans, okay. carried it out. Uh, can I but ask you... What uh, I would, so I just quickly say the reason it is connected is it's useful for the Iranians to blame the Israelis. Okay, and, and frame their position like that. There are commercial concerns here about what's happening with container ships and traffics uh, uh, in uh, from Yemen attacks uh, on on the Red yeah. Sea. What's that about? So this is the Houthis, which is another militia group based in Yemen, another Iranian proxy. Um, so we can put them in the same category as Hamas, as Hezbollah and others. And the Houthis have been launching attacks, either missile attacks, drone attacks, but also seaborne attacks against commercial shipping in the Red Sea. Now, they were initially aiming at ships that they thought had links to Israel, but now it is much more widespread. And the uh, there's a coalition of 11 nations that released a statement last night, of which the UK and the US are two of those, who have basically said, enough is enough. You know, no more warnings. Uh, if you continue these attacks, then we will be forced to carry out attacks against you in Yemen. Now, that could be through fighter jets. That could be special forces. But really laying down a red line, saying this cannot continue. 
commercial shipping has to be allowed to pass freely. Talk to me about the politics inside of Israel. Um, We've seen individual ministers, the finance minister and the security minister, make very strong pronouncements about uh, settlements and so on. And and you kind of get the impression that Netanyahu sort of in one way maybe needed this conflict. Just give us some idea. Is there unanimity in Israel about everything? No. Um, without sort of going back too far, if you go back to the beginning of the year when the Netanyahu government came into power, it's the most right-wing government in Israel's history because of the those two figures you mentioned, Bezalel Smotrich and Ismail Ben-Gavir and the parties that they bring with them as part of the coalition. Netanyahu was trying to drive through judicial reforms that were highly controversial. There were massive protests on the streets every week. Netanyahu's popularity took a massive nosedive. But then we came to October the 7th, at which point Israel really united. They united around the IDF, the war cabinet, the aim of of eliminating Hamas and getting the hostages back. But as the months have worn on, we've started to see the divisions re-emerge again, not just divisions about judicial reforms and about whether people like Netanyahu and think he should remain prime minister, but also divisions about how the war is being fought. Is too much um, effort being put towards eliminating Hamas and not enough being put on uh, the uh, release of the hostages. So that, that's where people are now. And I expect those divisions become ever more profound as the war moves through its stages and people will start to uh, blame um, people like Netanyahu and members of the security establishment for not preventing the October the 7th attacks. Resulting in who uh, uh, ascending to power? <laughs> Well, I mean, that is that is a bit of a million dollar question. I'm, if, you know, I put my money right now on Benny Gantz. Now, Benny Gantz is an opposition leader. He's the most popular individual politician in Israel at the moment. He's former IDF chief of staff, former defense minister. So he's got a, a big military pedigree, which always goes down well in Israel. But he's also currently part of the war cabinet this small group of five men uh, who decide on the course of the war. So I would say, as we go into 2024, just watch what Gantz does, because he's not a part of the government in a full-scale way. He's joined this specific uh, war cabinet for this conflict. At what point does he decide to make his move? At what point might he withdraw from the war cabinet and then... Netanyahu really will be facing a challenge. Fascinating insights, uh, incredible knowledge there. Alistair Bunkle, Sky News Middle East correspondent. I really want to thank you sincerely for joining us with all that analysis and expertise. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.